you. I don't know why you all up in my business. You don't know me. You don't know my situation, my life struggles. Shoot, you all up in my Kool-Aid, don't know what the flavor is. You dipping and dapping, and you don't know what's happening. Okay, okay. What's up? So I interviewed my good friend Nathan Johnson. And we had this conversation about um, people looking up to like adults, people looking up to um, figures in their life. And one of the things that we got talking about was uh, men being men and, and women being women. Um, and it's not just like, it's not like a way that we're supposed to view it like a man is supposed to do this, this, and this. It's the way that we were created. It's the way that God intended for it to be. And the second we start getting away from that, the second we start pulling back from how God made us to be, he designed us to be like this. When we start doing that uh, and, and start doing our own thing or, or doing something that we think is better than what he had in mind, uh, that's when we run into problems. Okay, that's when we run into some serious issues. So, what we take a look at is a man being a man. And I talk about it some on the podcast, but see, my dad was never in the picture for me. See, he he got sent to jail uh, when I was young, like one or two, and I never knew him. So, what I did was... I found myself picking and piecing at stuff that other men I would see. I would go, oh, well, I like that. That guy is straight up cray cray. He don't even know what's going on. I'm going to steer clear of that. Um, and I find it too often that because a man has not stepped up and been a man like God created him to be, to be a provider... Um, to be the spiritual head of the household, then a woman feels as though, and a lot of times they do, they step up and they try to fulfill that role. Because there's a role that's void, there's a role that needs to be filled, and so when they do step up and do that, that's when a lot of times conflict and problems will happen. So, taking a look at that, um, you know, we were just talking, Kendra and I were talking today, and we were saying women were made and created by God to be a helper. Uh, we were talking with a really good friend of ours, and she was telling about how her husband, he's this pastor, and, and she said, I realized, I came to the realization that I was created to be my husband's helper, his, his helpmate. And whatever he got into, whatever he's doing in the ministry, I'm going to get into it as well. I'm going to be his helpmate. And it's not to say, see, I think a lot of times women get really upset about that. They get really like offended almost and things like that. It's not saying that you can't like lead a ministry. Uh, it's not saying that you can't be uh, involved in your own things. But support your man. Support your man. And you know what? Let him lead. Let him lead. It's a scary thing. I get it. Because there's a lot of idiots out there. A lot of bums. A lot of morons out there. I'll take ownership of it. But you know what? If you have a godly man, if, you, if you've taken that, that step out, you've married a godly man, trust in God to guide him and lead your household. Because if you don't, problems will occur. Because you're trying to step in and fulfill a role that God didn't create you to fulfill. You know? I can I can I can try to use a knife as a screwdriver and it might work a little bit, but see it wasn't designed for that. So I'm not going to be able to get the optimal use of that. And then when I go to use it as a knife, it's beat up and battered and doesn't work as well. When in all actuality, I should have just allowed the screwdriver 
to be the thing that I'm using in the first place. I know that was a lot there. But think about it. Quit trying to step in and fulfill a role that you're not made to do. And I'll say this to all the men that are listening out there. Be a man. Step up. Provide. Be the spiritual head of your household. Guide your family. Don't be lazy. And you know what? Watch and see what happens in your house. I bet your woman will give you a bit, a little bit more respect. If you've got kids, they're going to look to you and go, I want to be like my dad when I grow up. Or if you have a daughter, I want to marry someone like my dad when I grow up. Because a lot of times we look to our parents for what the situations, what the uh, things are supposed to look like. And you know, I know that it talks in scripture that God will be a father to the fatherless. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I, hey, I'm into that. When, when I was growing up, I, I clung to that verse. So I get that. But you know what? You got to step up, guys. And you know what else, too? A lot of times we try to think that our problem and our situation is, oh, man, it's the worst ever. Nobody has it harder than me. That's what that little intro was. So hard. Man, you don't know my life struggles. Come on, man. You have a choice to make. You have a decision to make to either step up and choose to follow Jesus, to choose to work hard, to choose to do these things. And you also have that same choice to be a bum. You have the same choice to turn your back on Jesus. You have that choice. So don't fall back on, oh man, my life's so hard. Yeah, I mean, it might be hard. I feel bad for you. I don't, I don't, we're not discrediting your hard home life. But at the end of the day, you have a choice to make. My grandmother was an amazing woman. I've talked about her before. And she had every excuse in the book, every excuse to not succeed, to sit back, to just take advantage of the system. Her dad left them for the neighbor lady. He held a gun to my grandma's head and said, if you take one more step, I'll blow your brains out. I mean, come on. They were poor. And I'm not talking like poor nowadays. Like they were dirt poor. And she didn't, she didn't let that phase her. She still decided to seek after Jesus. She still decided to go out and find a job herself. She was young. And she made something of herself. She went to college when she was, I believe, 40-some years old. Got her degree finally. She didn't let excuses get her down. And too often, I feel like nowadays, we're filled with excuses. I'm talking about myself included too. We're filled with excuses. You know what? Suck it up. Get over it. Everyone's got it hard. Everyone's got it tough and rough. But what I found is when you're going hard, you're seeking after Jesus, you're earnestly going after him, the devil's going to fight you. When you're in a war and you have the option to take out like a foot soldier or a tank, which would you take out? Now we're not talking like like Rambo or something like that. But we're talking a regular guy. We're going to take out the tank, right? Why? Because it's going to do more damage to you. So when we look at this, who is Satan going to fight more? Is he going to fight the tank more? Or is he going to fight the foot soldier more? Who's going to fight the tank? See, you pose the biggest threat. He's afraid of what you might do. I'm trying to remember, I believe it was Leonard Ravenhill. He's this old-timey preacher. I I love him. He's this little squirrely British preacher. Um, But he said, uh, one of his books, that Paul's face was on the wanted posters, Dead or Alive in Hell. 
I just love that idea, you know. I just, I, it can only just, I can just see wanted posters with my picture on it. It's scary to think about, but it's true. Because we're at a, we're in a war, a spiritual battle. And too often, I think we, we sit back and we, we like to make excuses for not doing things, for not stepping up, for not getting through it because it's so difficult and it's so hard. Yeah, well, there's been a lot of people who have gone through way worse and they've got through it. And they didn't get through it because they were tough and whatever. They got through it because Jesus was there. Make Jesus your focus and see what happens. But quit whining and complaining. Seek him. When you focus on the solution, which is Jesus, the problem will not seem as big. Nathan has some great information in this and great great quote that I just, I love. And uh, I just, I love this guy. He's a fantastic guy. A great preacher. He is extremely smart. Very wise. He's got a laugh that's just super contagious. So, let's go ahead and start the show. Yes. <laughs> you got me straight up tripping, boo. You dipping and dapping and don't know what's happening. They was grabbing hankies, waving blankies. They was running them aisles up in there. I respect your opinion, but you're wrong. Thanks for joining us. Uh, my name is Nick Jones, like I said before, and uh, you're listening to the Legacy Helms podcast. Today with me, I have Nathan Johnson, or Nathaniel, as I like to call him. Um, we've been friends for a long time, and he is just a gem. And I'm glad you're joining us today, Nathan. Well, it's my pleasure. So, where are you from? Uh, well, we're going way back. I'm originally from my mom, but I grew up in Utah and I spent the uh, last decade in uh, the South Kentucky, Tennessee area, and I currently live in uh, Colorado. Col- Ooh. Near the Rockies? That's around about uh, 30 minutes away or so. Nice. Beautiful. Um, so, this is typically what I ask a lot of people. You have to, you have to let me know the, the story, whatnot of it, but. When did you know, when did you, when did you have the aha moment of, I am, I am called, and I use, always say, I use that, I use air quotes around that. When did you, when did you realize you were called to ministry? <laughs> uh, well, when I was a kid, um, I was one of those kids who just loved, I mean, I just loved Jesus. And so I had a lot of people just in my world saying, hey, you'd be a great pastor, you'd be great, you'd be great for the ministry kind of thing. Um, it was interesting, all <clears throat> growing up, um, I just kind of had it in my, I guess, the forefront of my mind. Uh, when I was a little kid, we had this balcony um, over our family room. And so I would uh, envision myself as Billy Graham. I'd sit there and I'd just preach and yell at people uh, down in our family room. No one was there, but I was just... You're, you know, you're yelling at people. I've it. <laughs> Have you adopted <laughs> yeah, that preaching style now? You just yell at people? <laughs> I got to think that would be very effective. <laughs> That's right. Um, anyway, so I, I just had this idea. I just love the idea of preaching. And, um, but one thing I just was told ever since parents, I love my parents, and, uh, and they, they fully support what I do now. But uh, one of the things is uh, you can do anything you want. I've got gifts to do in amazing ways. Uh, and, and, and hey, I do well in school, go to college, get a good job. Uh, you can do anything you want except ministry. And, and uh, <laughs> the reason for that was <clears throat> just seeing. Uh, ministers don't make a lot of money, so, you know, they obviously struggle and all that kind of stuff, and I think my parents just wanted me not to live paycheck to paycheck and all that, uh, that, that mentality, uh, which I think is very noble. Um, so here I am struggling with, I feel like I want to do ministry and uh, having a pressure of not doing ministry, uh, but as I was getting to high school, <clears throat> um, I just, I, I had a focus of, oh, I want to do ministry, and I ended up going to a conference and took, uh, taking a seminar 
and I think the seminars called for me like, uh, so you think you're called a ministry, huh? And so I went there and I left, I left the that seminar going, I'm not called a ministry. <laughs> I was so confident that God was not calling me that direction. So I threw all my energy into business and uh, just kind of finished my high school career with a, with a desire for business. And okay, now what did they say at this conference that's, that made you go, I don't know that that's for me? <laughs> I, I don't even remember. I don't remember anything about the conference uh, except I left. This, I, I really felt a peace about it. I just felt God saying, no, this is not the direction. Uh, and I was like, that's fine. Where do, I, where do I put my focus? I love business. I love numbers. I love just that whole world. Uh, yeah. So I just went, went that direction. Uh, that's why I didn't while I was in college, um, I started helping out at youth uh, at, at the church, and uh, somehow God was starting to change my heart from uh, projects and numbers to having a love for people, perhaps in a way that I never had before. And it was just really, you know, our youth pastor ended up leaving, and so I was asked to temporarily fill in until we found somebody. And about three years later, they still hadn't found anybody, and I'm still the youth pastor. Uh, and by that point, I really just felt God kind of confirming in my soul this is the direction I really need to be. Yeah. Um, so I graduated college and basically quit my full-time paying job to work at the full-time Robin King Church. And I just kind of poured my life out for that next year. And I substitute taught to uh, kind of pay bills. But um, I just was just ministering on the kids. And I just really thought, just, I just really thought God confirming the idea that, you know, my, my life is to be poured out for people. Um, so I applied for seminary and ended up going there and uh, and now I'm just doing full-time ministry. So yeah. I don't, I can't look back and say there was one moment that oh, God called me and it's powerful in the lights. So it's more, light it was more of a progressive kind of thing. thing? Yeah, it was just more of the sinking of the spirit. And I think it was, as I just kept obeying and following the doors that he was opening. Yeah. Uh, it's just like I turned around one day and I just went, well, this is what I need to be doing. And, and now I look back and I don't, I, I couldn't be doing anything else. And, uh, I went back in my business days, and it's like, <laughs> I have no interest in that uh, at all. I mean, I, I don't think I could do the night of my job. I, I love I love ministry, and I love, I love preaching, and I love serving and pouring my life out for those who need Jesus. And so it's just, I, lo- I love what I do. Well, that's good. I mean, because there's... There's a lot of times I find that, that you'll have these young guys or girls that are they say, oh, I'm called to ministry. And you want to grab them and go, are you sure? You know, like if you, if you can do anything else in this world, do it. That's a lot of times what I'll tell them. If you can do anything else in this world, do it. But if you can't. Yeah, I agree. I tried to say that same thing to a, a group of guys I was counseling just a couple of days ago. Uh, and I, I said that same phrase. I think it's true. <clears throat> I think it's, if God, if God is giving you talent and ability to do something, I think you should do it. Uh, and I think ministry is one of the greatest things you can, you can ever do. And yet, uh, it's definitely not easy. And I, I think there's a lot of people who enter it because it seems very glamorous at some level. Yeah. Or very spiritual. Uh, and yet, it probably shouldn't be a ministry. And truth be told, everyone's a minister. Everyone's a missionary. Uh, if, you're, if you're a plumber down the road, or if you're a teacher, if you're a surface clown, uh, you're, you're a minister. You're a, minister, a missionary. So that doesn't devalue that. It's not that pastors are more superior or above or more spiritual sure. than the congregation. Uh, it's the passion there to serve the congregation and edify and train up and, and push the people out into ministry. So, um, but, but I absolutely agree. If someone could do something, I think I think God could use them. And in truth, people who have um, say non-church jobs have access to people that I will never have access to. Uh, the plumber has access into people's homes that I will never have access to. Yeah, uh, The, the worker at McDonald's minister to people in ways that I, I would never be able to. So I just think that's phenomenal. So. Yeah, it really is because if you think about it, if you're at a, if you're at like a secular job, they they can't get away. I mean, they can call off work maybe or something like that, but there's only so much so many times they can do that. So they can't get away, and it's not even a, it's not even the thing of you're constantly talking about it. Although I mean. I would imagine at some point it would get brought up in conversation, but um, just the very presence of who Jesus is in your life and spilling out on them who he is is kind of a unique thing, too. Um, this is, I don't know. this I agree with you. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. But uh, So, okay, hit me with this. I want to know what 
what growing, like when you were developing in ministry, you're going through these steps. Um, what was some advice that, you know, like maybe an older minister or maybe a younger one, doesn't have to be older, but um, somebody along the way gave you that just stood out in, and it was kind of a game changer for you. That was just like, just fantastic advice. Something where you go, oh man, that changed the way I look at things. Right. Um, well, I could probably pinpoint almost the, the, the radical shift in my life. I mean, when, when God totally turned my world upside down, both personally and in the, in the realm of ministry, would uh, <laughs> be the someone that I traveled with you with Stephen. Um, so here the, here the, the story of us uh, traveling with Stephen Manley, an evangelist, uh, just, just an incredible man of God. And uh, several things that he, he spoke that summer uh, was, has been so life-changing over the last decade of my life. It's, it's been so revolutionary uh, in how I think and how I live and how, how I minister. Uh, and just a couple of them really quick. Uh, one uh, was this whole idea of saturation in the Word. Uh, of, of, it doesn't matter how you study the Word. Um, I could actually be in the Word all the time. So whether I'm studying topically or expositionally or, or whatever that looks like, uh, what if what if it wasn't just a 15-minute bill in the morning you know, what if it was more than you know the, the, the old adage, the chapter day keeps the devil away, kind of stuff? What if, what if it went beyond that? Uh, what if my time in the Word was just all throughout the day? Sure. You know, what if I would take the passages I'm studying and just focus them all throughout the day and ask Jesus, who's the author Himself, to live inside of me? Oh, could you reveal truth to me? That that has been so so revolutionary in my mind or in my in my life. Uh, the other one was the whole idea of privacy, God's presence, which is that same idea, but just. Uh, could, you, could you involve Jesus in the everyday moments of your life? You don't just live your life on your own. Uh, I mean, you know, come to God once in a while and say, God, I need your help. What if, what if I could just, uh, Paul says in, in 1 Thessalonians, that, that I'm to pray without ceasing. So what would it look like to just, and obviously that's not talking mumbling, you know, Jesus, Jesus, oh, Jesus, 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 oh, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> obviously that doesn't make sense. That's, that's when you start uh, going, so, I don't know if I want what that guy has. <laughs> if I'm gonna walk around mumbling uh, Jesus all the time, um, no thanks. <laughs> uh, so, so what if what if instead of doing that, uh, the whole idea of the praying without ceasing is this constant intimacy, constant communication uh, with the God of the universe. So, why why can't I just draw Jesus into the everyday moments of my life? And obviously, this makes sense. Uh, if His Spirit fills me and He lives inside of me, then, then I can talk talk to Him all throughout the day. I, I can live in His presence. I, I can constantly bring him into my the good moments and the bad moments, and, and, and so just just the everyday living. I'm just I, I want to be soaked and saturated with the presence of Jesus. That that is that is so key. Uh, and I found in my own personal life, uh, the, the only the only times I ever have victory in my life is when I keep that focus upon Jesus. And, and if He's my focus, when He's my passion, when He's the big desire, sin just doesn't quite have a hold. It just it doesn't seem that appealing to me. Uh, and it's only when I get sidetracking Jesus and I focus my attention on, on sin and, and uh, the temptation kind of stuff that I, I find myself giving in. So the key I found for victory in life is I keep my focus on Jesus. Uh, so that's one thing. Um, so not focusing on the problem, but focusing more on the solution, which is always Jesus. Right. Uh, one of the things I've been, <clears throat> one of the things I teach out here in Colorado is, uh, I mean, one of the messages, I keep making a statement, I, I heard it once from somewhere in it's just been it's been phenomenal. I, just, I still went and I just use it myself. But uh, the, the quote was, quit telling God how big your problems are and start telling your problems how big your God is. In other words, we're so focused on our, our issues and our problems that we forget that God is a little bit bigger than this. I mean, our issues are really nothing yeah. compared to God is. And yet we, we go to God and say, God, look how big my problem is. I don't think this is going to happen. And God's like, bring me into the middle of this. I'm a little bit bigger than this. He's so like, than did you forget who I am? Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so, I, anyway, that's such a life changer. I mean, Stephen, the other thing Stephen taught me, uh, kind of through this internship as well, just working with him over um, several years, is just this idea that as a minister, as a pastor, uh, as a minister of the gospel, uh, my ministry is not inward. In other words, uh, if you're a pastor at a local church, uh, yes, you're the pastor of the local church. But it goes beyond that. You're actually the pastor of that entire community. So sure. would it be okay for me to pour my life onto the community? People get saved and they go down to the go to the church down the road. Is that okay to me, or do they have to go to my church? 
see if I'm a pastor to the community, I'm excited that they get saved. I'm excited that they're going to a church. If I'm a pastor of a local little body, then see, I'm going to spend all my time in a country club or my little church, and I'm going to invest all my time inward. Yeah. And it becomes an inward focus thing rather than an outward focus thing. And, and, and I want to minister outward. In other words, I'm a pastor at church, or I may do this local ministry, and now I'll spend my time there. But what if my attention and my focus is outward, not inward? And that's just been, it's just been, I think, a very profound thought in, in terms of ministry. So, yeah, absolutely. It's that's kind of the idea of um, we're all on the same team. You know, it's it, whether sure. you get saved at my church or someone else's church, you're saved. You know, you 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 go from knowing about Jesus to knowing Jesus. Um, right. And that, yeah, that's that's huge because then it. Then it, a lot of times when you start focusing on whether or not they get saved at my church versus somebody else's church, then it's more, then the whole focus becomes on me and my ministry, um, when really it should never be you and your, it's not your ministry. Right. You're just, you're just, well, yeah, we're, we're, we're telephone for, for God to speak, but in certain cases, John the Baptist and some other guys i gotta think that you're megaphone for who he is i mean it's just just loud as can be but yeah so i mean it's great concept steven i that was a great summer that was definitely a great summer um for those of you who don't know nathan uh myself and quincy who uh we're going to interview later and have him on the, the podcast but uh we we were all on an internship with Dr. Stephen Manley, and truly a man of God. I mean, a guy absolutely amazing. Um, he's ridiculous with the way he he's like routine, and and uh, I mean, it's unbelievable. How old is he? Wow, uh, this summer he'll be seventy-three. Ridiculous. So, the guy, the guy. How long has it been? Was it ten years this summer that we were on the internship? Yeah, it's been a decade this summer. Oh my word. So, okay, the guy's 63 years old. He's running five miles a day, doing push-ups and sit-ups and all this stuff every single day. The guy, I mean, it was just unbelievable. Um, and, I mean, just uh, it was just this obvious thing that he was just uh, in the Word constantly because he just he just oozed Scripture. He just, he just Jesus was just flown out of the guy. Um, so I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, that, that summer was just life-changing. Um, for I think all three of us, and I mean, you know, we we all have, have remained friends. I you know, even though I don't really like you, I still talk to you. You know that little thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, but well, no. Thanks for being honest. I, I I do appreciate just the the honesty. So. <laughs> I love you, Nathan. You crack me up. <laughs> so, um. We've had some funny experiences. Okay, tell me, tell me, and it, I got a feeling that it could have been from that summer. I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, you might have other stuff but too, but um, give me your weirdest, like the most odd ministry experience that you've had. Oof. Uh, I've had lots. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if there was tons of that summer, but that was probably just because of you. Um, no, that's but, not true. There were people all <laughs> summer long where we're sitting back going, for real? For real? Yeah. For instance, there was the one guy and his wife that were, they're up there singing, and then all of a sudden he chokes on a bug into the microphone. He doesn't pull that microphone away. He chokes on a bug in the, it like flew in his mouth. And he didn't pull the mic away at all. And then all of a sudden we hear, and we're, (laughs) I tell you what, (laughs) that was a, that was a pretty good one. I, I, uh, we couldn't look at each other. That was great. I think Quincy even scooched away from us because he just, he knew if he looked at us, it was over. (laughs) That was pretty great. That was really fun. I'll give you one more recent one. Um, I was preaching not long ago. Uh, I, was, I was in Tennessee, and we were at a conference, and I was preaching. And uh, one, of, one of my favorite guys is he's a homeless guy who lives out uh, in London, Tennessee. Uh, he was sitting in the congregation, and I, I can't even remember what I was preaching on, but 
I was preaching, and I, I just happened to mention this idea of, you know, what would it look like to you? Uh, could he just open up a church and, and, and be just receptive? And, and uh, what, what if the homeless people in this town would just, would just know that this is a place where they could have safety and food and they could meet Jesus and they would just feel loved? And, and, and I was just kind of giving just a simple uh, encouragement. <laughs> and from the middle of the congregation, this guy named Robbie goes, Hey, are you talking to me? Are, are you talking about me? And I, I, I stop preaching. I look at Robbie. I'm like, well, Robbie, I'm not talking about you in particular. I'm just talking about, in general, uh, you know, homeless homeless people. And uh, so I, I continued on, and he, he took a second, and I think he's probably drunk at this point anyway. But um, he goes, are you talking to me? I think you're talking about me. Uh, so I've had, I've had lots of those kind of uh, moments. Um, yeah. Where just just bizarre, uh, bizarre kind of stuff, <laughs> which, you know, I don't know what you do. Uh, and I, I, I think you missed this one, but I was, I was we, have, we have a big training camp in Tennessee every year. I think it was I think two summers ago, I was, I was there and I was preaching this message. And I was talking about naming uh, in, in Scripture. There's this idea of a calling. Uh, and it's the, the group behind it is this idea to, to give a name. And so I was just randomly talking about this idea of uh, what, why is it with pet names? You know, we, we have, the, you know, when we, when we call someone a good friend of ours, you know, we give them a pet name sometime, you know, hey, they blow, hey, you know, whatever. But when you look at romance stuff, and there's all these pet names, you know, like Honey, Deer, Sweetie yeah. Cupcake. Love and, and I started going through these lists, and I stopped, and I said, why is that, you know, most of these are food? You know, like, this is ridiculous. And, and I kind of keep going, and uh, Jeremiah Bullock, he's an evangelist, was sitting right in front of me on the front row, and he kind of just quietly in her gut says, oh, don't worry, one day you'll know. And and I, I kind of like, kind of pushed out of my mind when I think about it. Uh, but Stephen's wife, Delphine, was sitting next to him, and she started giggling. And uh, for whatever reason, I got caught up in the giggling, and I started to giggle. And uh, lo and behold, I seriously was, uh, I, I, I've not had a fit of laughter so hard in a long, long time. I, I seriously was leaning over the podium, crying. I was laughing so hard, and nobody knew what I was laughing about, because they couldn't hear what Jeremiah said. Uh, so it was just, I mean, it was just, oh, it was over the top, uh, but anyway, that's just you are quite the giggler. I, I do. I have things I have five different laughs, but I have you know, my my giggle's pretty bad, but then I also just loud. Uh, you have five loud different laughs. Yeah, I, I, I categorize them once because <laughs> uh, I have this really loud voice or laugh, and everyone thinks that's my normal laugh, which is which it technically is. But I was pondering one day, I'm like, why? I don't always laugh that way, so I was starting to think through all those different laughs I have. And anyway, so I, I'm I'm odd, I guess. So okay. Would you categorize yourself as slightly <laughs> OCD if you're categorizing your laughs? Just a, just uh, a scotch? I guess, yeah. I probably have some, some OCD. I'm not OCD. But I probably do have a, a couple uh, tendencies. Which means I'm not OCD, a couple so tendencies. Not, That's great. That's wrong. a great way to put it. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um... Yeah, it's, it's really funny, just so everybody knows. Um, I would go and visit Nathan in Tennessee, and, and like Nathan says, he has uh, tendencies. So everything in his little, I guess we would call it an apartment, it was technically a garage, but it was really a glorified bedroom. I don't know what you would have called that. I'm not even going to call it like a studio apartment. I don't know what that was, but it was there. And so you're living there, and everything is just so... Everything at its place, you know, just nothing was out of order. And so then I blow into town and your stress level goes up immediately because I just kind of explode in your world. And I don't, I don't, I don't quite have those ten. I have a few tendencies, admittedly, but I don't have as many as you do. And so, you know, I might've done a few things in your apartment whatever that is, the garage, whatever it might have been. I might have moved some books around a little bit, whatever. And you had to go back and fix them all. This is, this is good for my humility. It's good for the growth of my soul to learn persecution and suffering and hardship. And, this guy. Uh, so so you're, you're, you're actually a blessing in my life. I do appreciate oh, that. Oh, Nathan, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so we never really 
talked about that. I haven't touched on this yet, but what what exactly do you do now? What are what is your role? You're in Colorado. What are you doing out there? discipleship training that's out there and what you say you typically try to pour into these younger men and things like that um what are what are like some common things that you're seeing in the next generation that um like might be struggles or some common themes or things like that what are some what are some stuff that you're seeing that you know should maybe maybe other people might be wrestling with or something like that or maybe maybe people that are in a similar position that you are um see that in the younger men and even know what to do what are some of the what's some of the stuff that you're seeing sure well we have quite a space of young men and women and technically our, our discipleship program you know we have people from 16 all the way up to about 70 so we have quite a space of uh, ages but the majority of our people are college age, and it just seems that uh, not just working with this group, but you know, I'll travel and preach you know, a lot of like youth ministry kind of things or youth camps. Uh, and just one of the one of the things I'm noticing is just in the, uh, a very apathetic, uh, lazy part of what I want. I want, but it's almost a um, a very passive approach to life. In other words, um, when you look at the general flow of things, uh, there seems to be a, a undercurrent of I want involvement and I want something to live for, but yet I don't want to go out and live for anything. So I'll, I'll play video games rather than actually living life. I'll, I'll watch a movie rather than having an epic adventure in life. Um, sure. you know, there's been some dramatic shifts that have been taking place probably in the last several decades. Um, there's been a lot of studies that's been done, and, and the generation, um, the younger generation, in other words, probably under 30, <clears throat> are being considered the dumbest generation ever when you're looking at. Uh, logic and how people can think, uh, looking at um, health and the fact that we're very uh, lethargic, we're sitting around all the time. Uh, we're not we're not going outside and playing as little kids. You know, we're we're sitting on our little Game Boys. So uh, wait a minute, they're considered uh, 
they're considered one of the dumbest generations, if not the dumbest generation ever. Is and and yet we have all that all the information just at our fingertips. Right, and I think that's probably a contributing factor to it, uh, because everything is accessible. So why do I need to know anything? I can always just Google uh, it. Yeah. So, uh, so, so just in this time where, uh, you, you know, I think it's like uh, I think the latest statistic I saw from a couple of months ago was like ninety. Seven ninety-five percent. Obviously, most of kids are made on the spot, but uh, there's, this, there's over ninety percent of you know kids are spending uh, roughly. I, I think it's, you're spending more time watching television. I, I think it's like a half an hour more per year on television than they are in school. Um, I mean, I'm spending the average adult is spending forty hours a week watching television. So I mean, we're, we're talking about a whole span of the world that are just they're apathetic, they're, uh, I, w- I would say maybe too, but in, in, in other words, there's, there's nothing to live for, there's nothing to get your life forward, there's, uh, we don't know how to read a book anymore, we don't know how to study it, and so when, the, when that comes into the church, uh, we have a whole bunch of uh, men who don't know how to be men, we have women who don't know what it means to be a woman, I agree with uh, we that. don't know what it means to study the word of God, uh, we're, uh, we're, we're kind of pulled back, and, and, and we're living in an incredibly selfish society, well, when I come to church, the, the question is not, hey, how can I serve, how can I pour out? The question is, hey, what, what can I get from you? you know, how, what are you going to do for me? <laughs> and so we're living in this time where uh, it, it's all self-focused, it's all centered, which, which by the way, is, is the very, uh, the undercurrent, it's the, the, the essence of sin. It's sin is, it's an inward focus. It's, it's turning within, it's trying to produce stuff mm-hmm. uh, in your own ability. It's, and so we have a whole generation who's, who's been living in this, um, and so that's just one of the some of the stuff I've been seeing um, recently. It's just, you know, we're living, we have all these kids living in depression. You know, so we have them on, we have them on beds, and we have, we have this whole, uh, there's, there's seems to be constant problems. Um, and, and my my take on it, the whole the whole answer to this whole issue is Jesus. Um, yeah. And it seems like a simplistic, cliche, Christianese kind of a thing, but, but let me put Jesus smack dab in the middle of all the stuff and start to change things. And, and we've been seeing that in our discipleship program that he take these people, and a lot of our students are strong leaders anyway in their churches or whatever. Uh, they're coming from their discipleship, and they get here, and they just realize, I, I've been so self-focused. I've been so selfish. It's all been about me. Mm-hmm. And when you, start, when you start grinding in the Word of God and you start focusing upon Jesus, uh, things start changing. They, they, life starts actually working. Uh, the, Christian, the Christian life, uh, it, it's not to be just a car sitting on the side of the road. I'm going to look at it and say, whoa, look at that. It's, it's a car. Uh, it's actually supposed to run. <laughs> Turn the key, the engine starts up, move the car. Yeah. Uh, and and we, live, we live in a whole generation of cars that are stalled out on the side of the road, and we don't know how, what it means to live the Christian life. Uh, and so we're, we've become fascinated now with looking at cars on the side of the road when that's not the intent of the car. We, we need to move. I mean, the car is designed to move. Uh, and we just don't know what that looks like in this generation anymore. So, uh, I mean, you could probably go further than that of you know, what's caused a lot of this stuff, but but we need Jesus in the middle of our all, all of these issues. Um, and again, and we've just been trying that here where the, the more people get into Jesus and they, want, they start to see their selfishness and they throw themselves upon Jesus and repentance and, and God actually starts coming and changing their life and their mind and their attitudes and their, uh, their makeups and their habits and their addiction. Uh, it's like they're set free and they actually live as, as God has called them to live. It's, it's just been... So I'm not hopeless. I'm, I'm not... Uh, woe is us, and you know nothing's ever going to change. <laughs> I'm actually very excited, excited about this next generation. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I think God's doing incredible things. And I mean, I'm, I'm all for the. I'm, I'm a great revival in this country because we desperately need it. Uh, otherwise, we're, we're sinking fast. But yeah, I'm very hopeful because I know who my God is. So. Well, and it's it's interesting that you're saying this too, because I, I mean I've talked with Kendra before and and different people too, but. Um, kind of going back to the thing, it, it, I agree. It's almost like we, we don't have a drive a lot of times. Um, there's not a, like a passion to do stuff. Um, and one of the biggest things that, that at least that I tend to see when uh, dealing with younger men and younger women, I mean, kind of fall in this category too, is um, God designed us to be a certain way. Like a man, he designed a man to be a certain way. He designed a woman to be a certain way. And what I find is, and and maybe this is just me and I'm I'm way out there, which really wouldn't be a stretch, but um, 
when a man doesn't doesn't act or do things the way God meant him to do them, it leaves a void in a family uh, or in a relationship. And typically when there's a void or there's something that's not there, somebody will have to step up and take that role and try to do that role. And a lot of times what will happen is a woman will step into that role and when she steps into that role, she starts trying to take on different responsibilities that a man is supposed to have. And when you do that, it like they it's sort of a thing of you, you do the best you can, but it's just it just doesn't quite work. Um, and and I mean I'm saying that just as a man. I mean I obviously I can't speak for women, nor do I ever want to. Um, that would be a scary thing. But but just I, I find that nowadays that that men don't know how to be men. Um, and uh, it's it's slightly frightening to think about, but then you it's it's one of those things where you want to you want to do stuff like you're doing, like you're saying you want to you want to train them to show them what a, what a man looks like, you know. And and there's there's some people. I mean, for me personally, my, I mean, my dad has never been present in my life. Um, he's never been there, so I don't. Growing up, I didn't really know what a godly man looked like. I would try to pick and piece at, at certain things that I would see and go, oh, that looks good. And, you know, oh, that's kind of you know, fishy. I'm going to steer clear of that. But, you know, you pick and piece that. So, but, that, now that's not an excuse. A lot of times when people try to use that as an excuse. Oh, you don't know my home life and all this stuff. Well, at the end of the day, you have a choice. You know, I, I'm not discrediting anybody's home life or anything like that. But at the end of the day, you have a choice. And, you know, you can, you can choose to stay where you're at and stay lethargic, like you were saying, or you can choose to have a drive, have a passion, go after things. Uh, the main thing going after Jesus and, uh, fully believe that Jesus will guide you into what that role is supposed to look like. It's not all the same. We always, all have different personalities. You know, some of us like our books in order. Others don't. (laughs) <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, there's a certain there's a certain sameness to it. So, sure. well, and one of the one of the things I guess I, I go back to too is I think the undercurrent of all the stuff that I was talking about before goes back to two major issues. One, uh, we don't have a biblical worldview anymore. Uh, in other words, because we don't know the Word of God, we're, we're biblically illiterate uh, in this generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah. well, much like the Dark Ages, we have well, obviously things are better than Dark Ages. But in terms of people don't know, people don't know the word, <clears throat> uh, which means they're not thinking according to the word, uh, and we're living not according to the word. So I think that's one issue. And the other one would be the fact that uh, I think Larry Ravenhill's one. He said it that we're more afraid of holiness than we are of sin. Uh, in, in other words, um, I, I would rather live in sin than live in righteousness and purity and holiness. And so we have a we have, we have this whole conglomerate of people. People are just living just like the culture, just like the world. I mean, there's no difference between uh, the the heathen, the pagan, and the Christian uh, in, in a lot of respects. Uh, in other words, the, the, the day-to-day lifestyle, um, they're both engrossed in sin. And so as a Christian, I'm not called to sin. I'm called to purity and righteousness and holiness and, and truth. And, um, and, and yet we have a generation of people that even within a church, um, it, it's, not, it's like sin has become the norm, it's become okay. Uh, and therefore, I think that I probably go back to that being the cause of a lot of these issues, uh, is because when I'm living counter to what Scripture is calling us to live, then it's going to cause uh, destruction in the country, it's going to cause problems in the home, it's going to cause problems in my personal life, um, because I'm because I'm craving sin. I want to live in sin rather than uh, live uh, according to uh, Jesus. So, well, we're born like that. We're born with a nature that's bent towards that. Sure. And obviously, the only way to break that is Jesus. He he has to be the he has to be the the X factor in essence. <laughs> he's he's the only factor really, but yeah, he he's got to be that that change that change element that takes place. Hmm. But yeah, I Ravenhill I had what was I think it was Ravenhill um, that was talking about you know the a lot of times we'll see churches and. There just tend to be freezers for for dead bodies, 
They're just mm-hmm. they're they're there's nothing but just dead weight in there. There's no fire. There's no passion. Um, well, at least okay. Let me re- let me restate that though. I find that find that in the churches in America. Um, you know, it's uh, you hear about churches over in Africa, uh, Asia, things like that, where stuff's happening. You know, things are moving, but the church in America, it's it's sad. It's nuts, but uh, right. I don't know, man. But we got hope. We got hope. So, sure, we need hope. what were you gonna say? I was gonna say we need Jesus. So, no, in a desperate, desperate way, a desperate way. Well, do you have any? Do you have any shameless plugs that you would like to do? We always like to give our guests an opportunity to do that. Um, just, you know, a shout out to anybody, hi to a girlfriend, whatever you want to do, Nathan, balls in your court. Thank you. Well, I guess, uh, just for any of your listeners who are wanting more resources, um, I'd probably point them in two directions. Uh, one would be the, uh, Stephen Manley ministry. I think it's just, it's an incredibly very godly ministry and they have, uh, they have, they have their own school and, and they have some internships and I, I think I would encourage anybody to do them. Uh, but that, their website is crossstyle.org. Uh, the discipleship school here uh, that I teach at, uh, which which obviously I'm biased, but I, I really like. Um, it's Ellerslie. It's e l l e r s l i e dot com. And then um, my own writing and, and resources can be found at the deeperchristian.com. So awesome, awesome, awesome. And I, and I'll include I'll include those links and things like that. Um, and the information for the podcast and everything too. So that way people can have it. Um, and we can get that out there too. So I would agree. I mean, I, I know obviously about cross style and, uh, about you. I mean, you're kind of shifty, but I'll, I'll buy into, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but Hey man, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, and good talking with you. Um, and, and just appreciate everything that you're doing. Um, both, both are people now, and I think it's going to be a trickle-down effect, um, starting with things that we're doing now. So I really appreciate it, buddy, and it was good talking with you. And uh, you have a great. Me, me too. Thanks for uh, thanks for letting me uh, be a part of what you're what you're doing. So I'm really excited for what God has in store for the podcast. So yeah, a blessing to you and and your and your listeners. Yeah, sounds good, buddy. Well, thanks again. That's all we have for you today. Don't forget to check us out online at LegacyHelms.org and be sure to subscribe on iTunes. If you need t-shirts for your next big event, we've got you covered. Click on the t-shirt quote page under t-shirts on the website. If you would like Nick or Kendra to preach at your next retreat, revival, or camp, fill out the contact us form under preaching. And always remember, don't let your meat loaf or your mop flop.